so much for having me. Wow. Apologies. No, no apology for the passage. Beautifully read. Thank you so much, uh, Malcolm and Annette. I, I, you've got to have that in its in entirety. It is the greatest poem of all time, in my opinion, in my humble opinion. And it's got to be in its entirety. OK, well, introductions, just in case anyone doesn't know me. Good morning. My name's Neil Attywell. And um, I, I was born at a very early age. Um, yeah, Zoom and jokes, they don't go great, do they? Um, <laughs> I'm married to Jenny, sitting behind me there. She's not really small, that's perspective. Okay, um, they say behind every great man, there's a woman rolling her eyes. So you've got it literally today, haven't you? Um, we have three sons uh, who've all grown up and uh, flown the coup, but they were brilliantly supported for many, many years by the wonderful children and youth work there at Alton. So we are so grateful to you as a church. Um, Jenny, uh, just a bit more about ourselves. Recently, Jenny says she wants to do fostering in our house, which is fine by me, as our house is 150 miles away still there in Solihull. Um, seriously, yeah, we, that's something we're, we're uh, really looking into at the moment. So your prayers for that would be really appreciated. But the reason I'm here is because for 15 years, I worshipped there with you in Alton before being released uh, to move south. Um, Together we're planting a new church uh, with um, immaculate uh, timing, um, just as Boris was telling everyone to stay at home. Um, but seriously, it's still going great and we're making loads of connections here. And thank you again for your prayers and your support. Well, I think that covers uh, us really, uh, except just to say um, two years ago, I gave up cliches and the rest is history. Yeah, again, I'm just going to have to imagine you laughing, aren't I? Um, yeah. And the other thing, as you've already discovered, is I'm not a preacher. Um, but uh, I keep telling Bernice that and she keeps inviting me back. So, OK, I'm just going to share my screen so you can see the PowerPoint. Da, da, da. Yeah, here we go. Right. So the... Um, what am I doing wrong? Okay, I'm doing that. Good, right. Okay, so um, the task for today, easy. Uh, last week, um, we considered how to influence a housing estate in Swindon. This week, how to influence the rest of the world. Um, I'm not sure what that says about uh, Swindon or, or about us, but um, seriously, it was a great session last week, wasn't it? And actually, it, this hopefully this follows on from that because... Right at the heart of my message today is that influencing the world is something, you know, that we do locally, that we do just where we are. So what they were sharing last week about what they're doing um, over there at the Stowe, fabulous stuff. And that can potentially have world changing effects, which is um, hopefully the heart of my message today. Um, OK. But I think first we need to unpack this this theme for today, influencing the world. There's two really massive words there, aren't there? And Owen, Owen shared his sort of, you know, um, hesitancy about the whole world word influence. And I know, you know, speaking to many of you, the whole idea of influencing people can have negative and positive connotations, can't it? So I really I want to unpack, you know, exactly what it means to be an influencer. Because I think it, it, it is significant. 
So here we go, uh, he says. Right, so I think there are two ways of influencing, aren't they? And I'd like to, to call them perhaps, uh, firstly, the way of Donald, um, the, uh, the man of the moment. And of course, you know, the Donald way is shout the loudest, big yourself up, have the most Twitter followers, you know, get selfies with influencers and other world leaders, you know, basically make yourself look as big and loud as imp and important as possible. But of course, that's the way of empires and every empire will fall. Bad news for America right now. But we need to remember that because because this way of influencing is, is has been tried for better or for worse, you know, both outside and inside the church. So we need to learn some lessons about that way of influencing. But I think there's another way of influencing, isn't there? And that's the way we, we want to look at today. The way of our saviour. You know, the Jesus way. Live simply. Walk, be a walking example of how to live. Point to God, not to yourself. Sometimes even telling people not to tell when you've done something good for them. Never travel, you know, like Jesus, never travel more than 50 miles, but trust God to take the message, the simple message out to the world. By the way, if you haven't seen this picture before, and for the benefit of the tape, if you're listening to the podcast afterwards, this is Baz Utowick, the Dutch artist's AI Jesus. Um, if you didn't see it, basically he's a, a conceptual artist and he took the images from... Um, hundreds of uh, classical art images like Leonardo da Vinci and great artists like that, classical images. And he fed them into his computer and he merged them together with a, a lots of sort of natural pictures of just Palestinian men. And, and, and this is what, you know, with a bit of computer wizardry and a bit of artistic ability, this is what this is what the computer, you know, created. This is. Well, you know, what he's not saying is this, this is what Jesus looked like. But there's a deeper message here that Jesus could influence the whole world for more than 2000 years. And we don't even know what he looked like. He could look like just an ordinary bloke that we might pass in the street. I think there's a serious message there about influence and about about the power and the potential of influence for us who don't think we look or sound or do anything particularly great. Okay, so that's influence. I think the other key word in our, in our theme is, is world. And, and it, you know, I, I thought it'd be worth unpacking that for a second. You know, have you ever considered how we use world in different ways depending on the context? You know, we, we use it both, you know, the two main ways here are the earth, and the human race. Um, now we've inherited this from the ancient Greeks. They used a single word, cosmos. Um, firstly, oh, excuse me. Oh, there goes me and technology. Go back. Cosmos, right. You know, they, they use one single word to, to, to depict these two massive concepts. Um, but yeah, as you've seen, enough of me and Greek. Personally, I, th I try not to use big Greek words. I think it's a bit narcissistic. Yeah, again, Zoom and jokes. Um, but seriously, you know, why do we do that? Why do we use the, the word world? Why can't we use, just use two different words? Well, I think it's there in the passage that, that Malcolm and Annette read. Because, <laughs> you see, 
you know, Genesis 2 verse 7, wasn't it, that, that Annette read? The Lord God formed a human from the dust of the ground and breathed into their nostrils the breath of life. Wow, what poetry. You see, Adam is just our nickname. You know, if, if the, the uh, Bible was written in America, God forbid, it would, he would have been called Dusty, wouldn't he? You know, we are, we are, you know, inseparable from the earth. I think that's the deeper message here. It's such a beautiful multi-layered metaphor, isn't it? The first human is literally sculptured from the mud, which certainly isn't a conflict with ideas of the Big Bang, which say we're essentially stardust, aren't we? Everything, everything, we're all interrelated. What the poet is saying here is that God has deliberately made humanity and the earth interdependent on one another, inextricably linked. Of course, not because the planet couldn't survive without us, could it? It survived for five whole days in the story, for millions of years in reality, in God, in, you know, without us. But there came a beautiful moment when God said, right, it's time, you're ready. I'm handing you the pruning shears and I'm saying, you're ready. I've got a job for you that no one else can do. We are the royal gardeners. What a privilege. We are here to look after the earth. This passage typifies both the scope of our task and our job description all rolled into one, doesn't it? But there's a problem. We've not been happy with our role, have we? Let's face it. You know, even, you know, within a couple of chapters of this, Adam and Eve are deliberately misinterpreting God's instructions. And we've continued that trend, haven't we? So I think we need to, you know, we need to take a key word from this passage and really unpack it to see where we've gone wrong. And that word is rule. Yeah, you and me, we can ride on a star. If you stay with me, girl, we can rule the world. Acting on our best behaviour, turn your back on Mother Nature. Everybody wants to rule the world. Even pop stars wrestle with thoughts of what it means to rule the world, don't they? There's something buried deep within our subconscious whispering to us that we've been given the job of ruling the world and possibly that we're getting it wrong. If we weren't clear about what it should mean, God interprets our task in chapter 15, just a few verses afterwards. He says, the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. You see, there are two meanings in our dictionary for rule, aren't there? One, to keep things straight. That's the original etymological origin of the word rule. And then the second one, the one that we've interpreted out of that is to govern, to dominate. Now, when we hear the word rule now, we think of that second one, don't we? Kings and queens. Well, if you insist on the monarch idea, are we a benevolent ruler or are we a tyrant? That's my question. What kind of ruler are you meant to be? You see, at best, we're princes and princesses, aren't we? Our father is the true king. It's his earth, folks. And as we've been reminded all week, if you listen to... Um, Lectio 365, as we've been reminded all week by our African brother, 
This earth, as Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, was an inheritance of who? The meek, the self-controlled. Now, let me remind you, let me remind you, we all used a ruler all the way through school, didn't we? Occasionally to inflict pain on the person sitting next to us, but more appropriately to keep things straight and measured in proper control. That's the true meaning of to rule, folks. If you need any more convincing, actually, it's there in the Hebrew. Here he goes again with his fancy Bible college education. I know you think I'm more Macca Packer than J.R. Packer. But I did pay some attention at Morelands. And actually, I learned that the Hebrew here for rule is rada which shares its meaning with, in, in a root with words like descend, wander, spread, influenced by example. We are meant to be first among equals, not dominating or even worse, exploiting. Does that sound familiar to you? Remind you of another king? Yes, of course. Takes us straight to Philippians 2, doesn't it? Being in very nature God, Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. We call ourselves Christians, folks. That's our example. That's what it means to rule. That's what it means to influence the world. And it begins in Genesis, doesn't it? It's at, that's our poet's poetic manifesto for generosity, service. And yes, folks, I've got to get it in there. Veganism. Verse 29. We get the seeds and plants for food, not the animals. But the sad truth, folks, is actually... I'd be doing a disservice if I didn't actually say the hard truth. We are acting, all of us, like addicts. We're constantly being told that the things that every one of us do every day are destroying the planet. Yet we keep doing them. Like we're addicted. How many times have we been told to cut out the plastics? We know the oil industry contributes to global warming and plastics are polluting our oceans. And even the most conservative voices are telling us to cut out the meat. Yet in my lifetime, meat consumption per person has doubled and is still rising. Even in Europe, where the population isn't increasing in many areas. Yes, it's a challenge, folks. But how can we look God in the eye and then let alone the next generation and carry on as we are? It's clear we're running out of time and Christians should be at the forefront of change. So, folks, look, I just think we ought to pause for a second and pray and repent. Father, I'm sorry. We're sorry we haven't done enough. Father, you've given us a beautiful world. We see that so clearly in those uh, just in David Attenborough and the images on a perfect planet. You've given us such an amazing planet with such amazing, wonderful, awesome creatures lord help us to protect them 
make it our responsibility, even if it hurts us, even if we have to sacrifice. Like Jesus was our example, help us to step up, do the right thing. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So look, folks, before I finish, we need some encouragement, don't we? Let's get some inspiration. Let me highlight some examples of Christians who are actually influencing the world. This is Ruth Valerio. She's one of my neighbours. She's just a few miles down the coast in uh, Chichester. She lives. Um, she's a member of Extinction Rebellion. They're not all bad. I know some glue themselves to trains, but actually, you know, they're doing good to highlight the need of this world. And she's proud to be a member. She's also canon of Rochester Cathedral. She's, she works for Tear Fund. She's a global advocacy and influencing director. There we go. We've got our word in there, influencing. But I want to highlight the fact that she's eco-church. She, she, she leads the eco-church movement in this country. And she's just awarded the 1,000th church award. They've got this kind of strict code that they ask churches to sign up to and... and um, get different awards for, for how green your church is. And that the thousandth award was done this month. But you know what, folks? It's not her I want to highlight. It's the anonymous teacher. I haven't got a picture. It's the anonymous teacher who she credits with giving her that planet-saving lesson that changed her perspective and changed her outlook. Another person, another sister in the faith, Catherine Hayhoe. If you've not heard of her, you should do. In 2019, she was uh, awarded UN Earth Champion. In 2014, she was listed as one of Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People on the Whole Planet. She wrote a book with her pastor husband, A Climate for Change, Global Warming Facts for Faith-Based Decisions. And remember... That's in America. And she's in the south of America, in the deep south, in, in the, the heart of climate denial country, climate change denial country in America. She is standing up for the planet, our sister, you know, and, and she is slowly but surely changing hearts and minds in America that we've got to do something. But again, she's not the person I want to highlight here. I want to highlight her parents, the one she credits with teaching her to love God and love the world. More unsung heroes, folks. You ought to have heard of this guy, Francis Collins. Headed up the Human Genome Project um, that, that cracked the code of the human genome and has had so many beneficial effects. Before that, he was part of a research team that cracked um, other genetic disorders, stuff like um, progeria, cystic fibrosis. He's been in the head, you know, in the forefront of, of research for many, many years. Um, Obama gave him the Presidential Medal, the highest order, the highest honour for a, a non-military person in America in 2007 and then in 2009 he gave him the job of director of the whole national institutes of health for the whole of america and it's um it's their lead it's because of them that, that the moderna vaccine and the pfizer vaccine were um were tested and approved and you know this man has had a huge influence on the planet 
But again, it's not him I want to highlight. I want to highlight the anonymous patient when he was, I was going to say just a doctor, please, Dominic, please don't, don't, you know, doctors do a great job. When he was a lowly doctor compared to where he is now, an anonymous patient challenged him. Did he have a faith? And he said, no, he was an atheist, but it just started him on a process of thinking. And actually, you know, he, he, he uh, just that little spark. He spoke to a Methodist minister who lent him mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. And that snowballed into him discovering a real and a vibrant faith, which took him into all those amazing places that I talked about and took him to be a great influence. So, folks, you don't have to be a Francis Collins, a Catherine Hayhoe. You know, or a Ruth Valerio to change the world. You can be the unsung hero. You can be the influencer who influences the influencer. Because without that anonymous unsung hero, those great people wouldn't have done great things. That's the message I want to give you today. How can you influence the world? Just live as God intended, folks. Tend your garden. Not everyone's going to be, uh, you know, Alan Titchmarsh, are they? So, remember, to rule the world means to keep things straight, starting with our own lives. So every week we do this thing, why don't you, don't we? So I would encourage you, why don't you start? First of all, just keep doing your thing. Many of you are just blessing the world in what you do, and well done you. And, you know, let's let's all let's all challenge each other to do it even better. But also before you do your next shopping order, before you do something that's going to have an effect on the planet, read that Genesis poem again. Read what God has done. Get an audio version and shut your eyes and just allow the words just to filter into your soul. Just imagine what God was doing through through that creation. And allow it to affect the way you live your life. And folks, watch a perfect planet on iPlayer. It is just amazing. And God did all that just for us. Why wouldn't we want to worship him, folks? Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for having me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your world. And uh, it sounds arrogant so arrogant to say we want to be influencers of this massive world little old us but lord you've called us you've called us to make a change right where we are and who knows what kind of effect that can have lord we thank you for all the good that we're doing already but it's never enough is it we want to do more and more for you because you've done so much for us thank you for the example of jesus who left no stone unturned to save us even dying for us to show us how much you love us so lord take our humble meager gifts and use them for your glory we pray inspire us to be influencers to be rulers in the right sense in jesus name we pray amen